Hi, hi, welcome, welcome. This is Metapol with me, Cactus. Today on the show, we're doing something a little bit different. That is, a lot has changed in the past few months. There are fronts that I need to shore up on the show. And while longtime listeners have been on a journey with us together, there is still a lot to be done in terms of incorporating all of you into the show itself. And that's exactly what I want to do now. Metapolitics is an attempt to re-establish a new beacon chain, a source of information that is decentralized and verifiable. I'll talk about that later on. However, this doesn't happen with me alone. It happens with each of you contributing, suggesting ideas, and helping to spread the word. Wow, you might think. That's pretty early for an advert. But that really isn't the point. And if you thought that was, then I'm sorry, but you're mistaken. This is an active attempt to leverage the network effects that I study and, quite frankly, that I have a strong respect for. That there is an ability for a motivated network, not an individual and a series of followers, but a true, interactive, operational network to build upon ideas, to breach the mainstream, and to make a substantial political change. And that is what I see happening now. However, this podcast is not happening in a vacuum either. There is constant political conflict going on, even reaching closer and closer to home, including in the United States. I think we are engaging in a period where there is going to be even more of a struggle with politicization, and that is even reached further closer to this show. One example of this is the misuse of the term misinformation and disinformation by mainstream actors who clearly do not have the mathematical background in order to process very basic terms. You remember in earlier episodes of the show that I offered you certain tests in order to identify conspiracy theories and the like. This included the conjunctive principle, looking at all the things that have to be lined up and multiplying their probabilities together. This includes Bayesian probability. That is the responsible way to look at misinformation and disinformation. Moreover, I talked about network effects and how social networks grow exponentially even when they're not based on any type of fact. I helped you identify those and to create a greater understanding from each of your individual perspectives of how to combat this phenomenon. Well, it would be nice if there were more mainstream outlets covering that, right? It would be excellent if there were neutral principles, fair and objective journalists who were going to explain these technical terms in a way that would help more people understand them. Heck, that's the goal of the show. So, what's wrong? Of course, these ideas have been completely bastardized. And quite frankly, I'm somewhat angry about it. I expected those episodes to be much more evergreen, to be long-lasting, and to rise above much of the mainstream conversation. Unfortunately, what many malicious actors have turned this into is that they've used misinformation and disinformation as a cudgel for, once again, a certification cult. 
In fact, many of the same network effects that drive misinformation itself are responsible for much of the mainstream media claims of fighting it. Instead of using those mathematical tools that all of you have the ability to understand, and apparently that some self-reported journalists do not, they force themselves to defer to certification, to defer to quote-unquote reputation instead of actually thinking and operating on these mathematical provable terms. In other words, they don't have the evidence to back anything up, so they're outsourcing the lies. Of course, this is exactly what I've been warning against, as not only does it have a strong possibility of not actually being responsible to people who have expertise, to people who actually have the understanding, but it also spends institutional trust. It does the same thing I talked about on last week's episode, where it undermines the ability for any self-respecting journalist to operate with the understanding that when they cite something, they are not doing it excessively, that they are doing it in good faith, and that they are not misusing terms. However, that is the reality we live in. Nonetheless, I trust that all of you longtime listeners remember the frame in which I talked about misinformation and disinformation, and that this was all happening before the American election. All of you remembered the standards that I set out to pursue, and hopefully, for those who have joined us since, and for those who join us in the future, they will have that understanding now. A second malicious tool that has risen up is the nonsensical term of quote-unquote both sidesism. Fundamentally, this show is about principles. It's about the underlying mechanics that set into motion what our politics is, from economic incentives to psychology to mathematics. What this means is that we are constantly studying ideas that go beyond one party or another, that goes beyond the two-dimensional flatland that commonplace politics are living in. Nonetheless, this accusation is a manifestation of exactly the problems we were talking about last week, in which negative definitions result in parties turning against anything that isn't explicitly approved by their party apparatus. This is fundamentally the purpose of the term both sidesism. It is a defense mechanism for incoherent political parties. Parties that want a binary, that want to say that anything that is not democratic is republican, and anything that is not republican is democratic, which leaves a vast majority of people in a space that they do not want to be. Of course, there are real problems with not thinking probabilistically. There are lesser evils. There are lesser evils in this world, and I have always encouraged people to work out the degree in which things are problematic. However, quote-unquote both sidesism is an attack on people who actually have standards. People who are not subject to a cult that would only criticize one side or the other. I'm sure that there is some small subset of people who use the term who use it to mean think numerically. That is, after all, 
a very good aspiration to have to think numerically. We nonetheless have to recognize this term for what it is, a term bankrupt of meaning that is used to attack those who do not fit one political stereotype or the other. So what is the purpose of sharing all this information with you? What is the point of making the inside baseball public? Well, as I talked about before, so much of what we do at Metapolitics is about creating a beacon chain to prevent exactly what I talked about before from happening. It is about creating a decentralized source of verifiable, provable information that you can be sure about. Things that are often mathematical that are tools for you yourself to disassemble and reassemble the news stories of the day. I consider this to be IKEA journalism. Journalism that trusts its audience to put together their own frameworks. Journalism that aspires to some of the ideas of the past while incorporating ideas of the present, using those new mathematical tools, using an understanding of network effects to empower the audience, to create people who have the skills and the resources necessary to help their own communities navigate the situation. One frequent question that I've been asked is why are some of the episodes numbered and why are some of them not? Well, the answer is what I just talked about. The numbered episodes are the fundamental tools while the unnumbered episodes are the applications. The unnumbered episodes generally cover specific political topics or news stories and as such are not always going to be relevant for a long period of time. Those that are numbered are ones that I feel are central in, at the very least, understanding one type of phenomenon and are a case study on a new tool that is being introduced or are a fundamental description of what is happening in front of you of the underlying phenomena and as such will also always be valuable. This is once again to make it easier to navigate metapolitics itself as the podcast can be, at times, complicated. The mission that I want to share with all of you today is to talk about the phenomena of pathologens. Not just casually, with a group of friends or in public, although I encourage that as well, but to engage in active research, an active observation of everything that is happening around you, of the things I mentioned before, of the operations of various media sources, and of the political actions of people in your everyday life. I cannot stress this enough, but network effects and pathologens are the most critical ideas for anyone to have going into the future. As a reminder, pathologens are ideas that satisfy two specific points. One, that they're compulsive, that they create a need to do something like an addiction, and two, that they are contagious, often that this compulsion leads to spreading this idea to others. Of course, it's a combination of the words pathology and pathogen, which describe these two effects respectively. Network effects are the exponential growth that occurs when an idea is passed through a social network, particularly a hyper-connected one like digital media. Both of these ideas are talked about in episode 17 and 15, so that might be a good place to start if you are just joining in.
So what am I looking for you to do in each of your everyday lives? One is to actually engineer more information about those two points. I've never claimed and likely will never claim to have everything nailed down. There is more research to be done and the great thing about the mass media environment is that all of you are capable of doing it, are capable of making hypotheses, drafting ideas, and testing that with the information that is available to you. After all, all of these networks are laid bare, and mass trials are not rare at all. This process can lead to even more ideas being discovered, and if you do so, and you contact me, I'll be happy to include some of these new discoveries on the show. Second is identifying individual pathologens, and even possibly testing and building ones that motivate people to do good. There's so much to be done, as many of these dangerous pathologens, including ones that have been prominent in the mainstream, really are emergent. They're not necessarily ones that are fully politically motivated. Although, of course, I think that there are at least a small number of individuals who are using that for those purposes. Instead, there are things that naturally arose from many of these social media networks and from network effects. And if we apply some of these principles into using them conscientiously, then I don't think it's impossible to either use an existing pathologian or create a new one in order to restore sanity, not destroy it. Third is identifying the cultural ley lines, which are different from country to country and even from region to region and sub-community to sub-community. These are often things that are fundamentally motivating that strike at the psychological core and therefore are the most useful when we are studying these phenomena. What that means is that they're key to doing the two steps above. They're key for gathering information and for identifying specific pathologens. In fact, this is something that is sheerly impossible for me to do myself, considering that I am not simultaneously a resident of every place, a part of every community, that would be completely overwhelming. And finally, to engage. And as I talked about at the start of the show, this is not a sales pitch. You don't have to mention the name Metapolitics any time you do it. Just build up these ideas. Of course, safety is optimized but not guaranteed. I present many of these ideas in a way that is most salient, in a way that is most neutral and most difficult to attack. So if you want to use those framings, go ahead. That being said, it doesn't mean that there won't be negative reactions. It doesn't mean that people won't misinterpret, that there won't even be, if you know enough people, one or two members of those highly polarized, highly emotionally calcified people who are not actually thinking things through at all. Those people are an incredibly small minority, and the community that you're likely to find, the quote-unquote exhausted majority of people who do not buy in to the delusions of one side or the other are statistically dominant in the population. Moreover, this serves as an immunization. It serves as an active attempt to stop things from getting worse. 
to make sure you build those relationships with your friends and that those people are not going to be susceptible to the same network effects and to the same real disinformation. So there's a lot of value there both for yourself and for other people. And if you want to talk about metapolitics itself, if you want to create that beacon chain of that source for new ideas, then I appreciate it. And in any case, as always, thank you.